All right, guys, we're still in Lesson 11. We didn't get all the way through last week, and uh, we're going to finish it up today. And this, this lesson is entitled, The Woes. And if you remember last week, I started out with that great definition of woes from hee-haw, okay? Woe is me, okay? An agony on me. Deep, dark, despair, depression, okay? And uh, in a sense, that's what woe is. We don't use that in our, uh, in our everyday vocabulary today, okay? If we did, people would look at it as kind of unusual. But it's expressing despair, discouragement, uh, a reality of, of something that's coming. Now, I said I was going to start off with a question. So I'm not going to ask you a question about what we talked about last week, so you don't have to panic, Okay. But I am going to talk about an overall question, first of all, because what we're reading may bother you. Well, what do you mean by that, George? Well, we live in the church, in, in, a, in the New Testament world, so to speak, in, in the world of grace and Christ. So when we read God pronouncing these judgments, devastating judgments upon his people uh, for turning their backs on him. That's kind of got to bother us because that's not our concept of God today. Am I, am I right in saying that? Or maybe that's how you view God. So the question I'm asking is, how do we reconcile God's extreme displeasure with his people to pronounce these types of judgments, which will take place, with the God that we know through Jesus Christ? Do you understand my question? Or are you saying, you know what, it's still too early, George? Okay. And, and I want to encourage you to get some of that coffee in the back. Yes, it's a beautiful day. That should perk you up. Um, that, that's my question. Before we proceed, we kind of have to address the elephant in the room. H how's this possible? Okay. Anybody? Okay, it's the same God. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. 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 Okay. All right. Okay, Bruce. Did everybody hear what Bruce was saying? Bruce was, you know, uh, expressing that it's the same God, but this is before Christ, but he's giving them lots of chances. And uh, anybody else got a thought? Tim, and you have to speak up because there, there's maybe somebody here that does not have as good a hearing today on Sunday morning. Okay, 
All right, when, so when you say there's more sins on the earth now, what, do, what did you mean by that? All right. Yeah, that's a good thought. I would, I would say, actually, I would kind of differ with you a little bit and say the level of sin has been the same. Maybe we're more aware of it because right now our culture has changed. We're what used to be unacceptable and in the closet or dark is now out in the open. And so we think like, oh, the world's coming apart. Well, the reality is the world isn't coming apart. If, I mean, if you think about it, there was just as much adultery 40 years ago as there is today. Did, did you understand what I'm saying? Just as much lying 40 years ago as there is today. It's just a different generation, okay? So, uh, yeah, and God does punish, okay? All right, what were you going to say, John? Yes. Okay, all right. Okay. 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 All right, so let me ask you a question, because all of these answers are good, all right? And, and a lot of you, have, all of you have made the illustration that we are under grace now through the cross. All right, and we have forgiveness, all right? Well, forgiveness was also expressed many times in the Old Testament, okay? So that brings a question. Are we exempt from God dealing with us harshly because of our sin? Now. Yes. Okay. Okay. And s yes. All right. That's good, Bruce. Now, is that dis can that discipline sometimes be harsh? Okay. All right. All right. So let's qualify. Well, so when we talk about us. When we talk about Israel, we're talking about a people group. Right, we're not talking about believers. We're not talking about individuals. But you're asking about believers. Yeah, I'm asking, yeah, I guess what I'm trying to I'm trying to help you to see is forgiveness and grace does not exempt you from discipline, punishment. Okay? Now the reason why God got to this extreme of I'm gonna destroy you, but then he says there'll be a remnant. Okay, so he's talking about the people, but there'll be a remnant. The reason I'm going to, is because he's already so many times tried to get their attention. He sent them prophets, he's done everything, and what have they done? They're like, oh yeah, Lord, sorry, we just kind of got off kilter, you know. No, they just kept on going. In fact, they even got to the point where they felt that God was saying it's okay to do what they're doing. Okay. All right, that's pretty bad, right? Okay. I guess the, the point I want to make, because sometimes we, we struggle with, 
First of all, this is not an issue of their eternity. So when God is dealing with Israel here, he's not talking about their destiny later on. He's talking about right now, you're being disciplined. I'm bringing harshness in my discipline because you've rejected me this far. So when we talk about the discipline of God with God's people, it's not an issue of eternity. They're going to hell or anyone's going to hell, all right? It's an issue of discipline right now because we need corrected. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? He's not throwing you out of the family. All right, so I think pretty much everyone here has children, right? Okay, some of you don't, but most of you do. Uh, when you discipline them, is part of your discipline to say to them, you are no longer, let's take the canon household, you are no longer a canon. Change your name. Drop it. You're out of here. Do we do that kind of stuff? Well, there might be a weirdo somewhere that does, okay? But for the most part, no. They're still part of our family. We still love them. But what? Your behavior is such that we need to bring up, amp up the discipline to correct you, okay? So I guess I want to make the point as we look at these woes, what we're seeing about God is, is he takes our sins seriously. Would you agree with that? He takes them very serious? Yeah. And if we're not willing to change, he's got a, he's got a discipline. So I see a hand back there. Okay. It's more of an intensity, yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Now, would God call it harsh? Okay. Okay. Okay, that's a good point, John. That's really good. Did you want to add something to that, Bruce? Uh, no, I just want to, you made a point a little bit ago about That's true. Yep, that's exactly right. Yes. Okay. Yes, that's, that's exactly right. That's good. Now, let's build upon what John was saying, and as well as with Bruce, because we're talking about how how, whether or not God is being harsh here or not, or how it's being perceived. And John made the point 
that the parent, when he disciplines, the child may have a different view and see it as harsh, okay? Actually, I'm going to take it a little bit step further, all right? The parent disciplines, but your neighbor hears you paddling a bottom. And the neighbor says, without even knowing what's going on or why, that's harsh. And they pick up the phone, okay, and dial, this is, this is my uh, projector remote here, but pick up and dial uh, the authorities and say, he's being abusive. Do we, does that happen today? Okay. It also happens with God. What do you mean? All right, so right now, it, it's, it, there are lots of places on the Internet that will, if you go look, you will find it, especially if you are wanting to say goodbye to God. There are people who will read passages like the woes or other passages, the narratives, and say, how can you believe in a God like that who's that harsh? You guys heard something like that? Okay? And so sometimes the harshness is seen from the outside without knowing what God is doing or what he's doing because it's his children. Did you understand what I'm saying? It, it's his children. So I just wanted to bring this up. I thought it would be a good, good way to start out, finish out our lesson today is to talk about the reality of God, it's a, lot, it's a little bit more complex than it is simple. We like things to be simple, but the reality is, is he, he's like a heavenly father. These are his children, Israel. They're not doing right. So he brings into their life discipline, and some of it is extreme and intense because it's gotten to that point. He's, he's got to try to wake them up. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So just wanted to probe our thoughts. We, before I move on and we talk about uh, the alliance with Egypt and what was wrong with that, anybody else got a thought, closing thought with regards to this, what we just talked about? Huh? Yes. Yes, I think that's good. In fact... Um, one of our chapters, if you, for those of you who read Gentle and Lowly or did the study, the chapter was The Emotional Life of Jesus, okay? Really good chapter. I encourage you to read it. I encourage you to read the whole book, okay, if you haven't already. Or if you put it down and like, oh, George, it's really getting beautiful outside. That's fine. Maybe in the evening, read a chapter. But in The Emotional Life of Jesus, he, he, he points out two emotions that seem exact opposite. And the one is anger, and the other is love. Now, you and I would view those exact op the, the, as opposites. He's talking about with Jesus being perfect humanity, not like us. We're not, we're not perfect humanity, but he is fully God, fully human. He's both loving, love, and perfect in his anger. But they build on each other. It's because he loves, he gets angry. 
And it's because of his anger he loves. Do you understand what I'm saying? To the intensity that he does. So God's not like us. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because I can be angry at you, and it's not because I love you. It's because I don't care for you. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? And uh, have, I have no emotions towards you. I'm just mad, you know. And sometimes we love without being angry, okay? But with God, it's, it's in balance. So, yeah. So we have to realize that when he disciplines, there is that aspect of his love. For, so, for instance, the Old Testament does say that he takes no delight in the destruction of the wicked. God's not up there cheering, ah, I got rid of Adolf Hitler. Do, do, do you know what I'm saying? He's not cheering, that scoundrel's gone. He actually grieves for them. You, you know, that's, that's what I see there. He takes no delight in that. All right, so let's talk about it like right now. So let's talk about the Egyptian alliance. So here's what they were doing. The ultimate expression that they didn't need God was, so here they have this Assyrian army coming, this massive world power and all of its might coming, and they're afraid they're going to get wiped out, so they want help. So rather than seeking help from God, who they should have been seeking help from, right? They were told to seek help from him. Who did they go to? The Egyptians. Like, talk about forgetting history, right? Because the Egyptians were the ones who once had them as slaves, okay? So here's what happens. We start off in chapter 31, verse 1, all the way through chapter 32, verse 20. Doom is pronounced on those who seek help in Egypt without consulting the Lord. So they didn't even bother going to God and saying, hey, God, should we seek help from Egypt? They didn't even do that. They just went, boom, sent emissaries down, ambassadors, whatever, maybe sent gifts or whatever and said, hey, we need your help. So the Lord promises to protect them from the coming threat. All right, now let's stop. Does that make sense to you? He's pronouncing doom on them. Whoa, okay? Because you're going off to Egypt, and you didn't even ask me about that, but I'm going to protect you. Does that seem contradictory here to you? I mean, what's going on here with God? What's that, what's that telling you about God here? Anybody? It's pretty obvious. He's, he's upset with them that they're doing wrong, but he says to them, I'm going to protect you from the threat that's coming. What does that tell you about the Lord? It's a simple answer. I'll help you. Want me to help you? He still cares for them. He might be upset with them, he might be angry with them because they're doing the wrong thing, but guess what he's going to still do? I'm still going to help you. He still cares for them. Did you, do you understand what I'm saying? You're doing your own thing, you're going off in the wrong direction, but I'm still there for you. Now, if you think about that, what's the, what's the implications of that for you and I?
Okay, not just that he lets us, he's still what, though, uh, Tim? Okay, he forgives us and loves us, but in this instance, what, he's, what is he doing? What were you saying, John? Yeah, he's still protecting, he's still with them, he's still watching over them. He's still caring for them. Do, do, do you know what I'm saying? So, all right, let's, let's continue on here. Since God will protect them, the Lord calls Judah to turn back to him. Look, I'm going to take care of you. Just come back. So do you see what the Lord's heart is here? Yeah, he's upset with them. I'm still going to take care of you, but turn back to me. Come back to me. Come back. Well, let me just stop for a moment. Doesn't that make sense, though? Because when you look at what he, what Moses, what the Lord through Moses said to Israel, especially in Deuteronomy, he said, when you turn away from me, all of these terrible things are going to happen. And God tells them why they're going to happen. And the reason why is because you weren't following me. But if you followed me, everything would be okay. That's why he's allowing all this harsh stuff to happen. Is to get them to what? Come back to him. Okay? He hasn't abandoned them. He hasn't abandoned them at all. So Assyria will fall because of the Lord alone and not because of men. Wow. That's, so here you are. You're going down to Egypt. Hope their chariots are going to do well. But I'm going to tell you right now, it isn't... They're not going to be the ones to defeat Assyria. It's going to be the Lord that defeats Assyria. Yeah, and you know what? We're going to see it here in just a, 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 maybe in a couple of weeks. We're going to see that here's the Assyrians. They're encamped outside of, of Jerusalem. And in one night, God comes in among them. And he eliminates the issue. Wasn't anybody else. Wasn't anybody else. So in the millennium, the, so there's always the interchange. Talking about right now with the crisis that's going on, but he also intersperses what's going to happen in the future. So in the millennium, the Messiah will rule in righteousness. So when the, when the Messiah comes, he's going to rule in righteousness, Okay. We have never experienced that. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I'm, I'm 50. I think I'm 56. What year is this? Okay. <laughs> you must be 56, George. Okay. So I'm 56. Okay, so there's been a few presidents in there. I think the furthest back president I can remember as a child was Lyndon Johnson, okay? So, of course, Nixon and, and so forth on afterwards, okay? So, there's been a lot of presidents. Some of them are good, some of them are bad. But did they all rule in righteousness? No, it doesn't matter what party they're from, right? But there will be one who comes who what? Will rule in righteousness, and that's the Messiah, the people will understand God's word and speak clearly. They will understand God's word and speak clearly. 
fools and the wicked will no longer be respected, but a generous man will stand. Now, isn't that interesting? They got to make the point here to say that fools and the wicked will no longer be respected. That's really a testimony of our time as well. Don't, I mean, there are people that are just flat out fools and the wicked, and our society wants to what? Give them honor and respect, but the generous man, the one who does right, he, he has no place in our society, in, in, our, in our world. But he's saying in that time, it's going to be completely different. The women of Judah are to mourn as judgment is coming quickly. So he's going to switch back, and he's saying, though, but yet, let's talk about right now, you aren't where you should be, and so it's coming I'm coming to get your attention, so mourn. Be in despair because judgment is coming. The cities of Judah will be abandoned and the land will be desolate. That's exactly what's going to happen. As the Assyrians come in, as they came in, they basically took all of Judah and surrounded Jerusalem. All that was left was Jerusalem. Their cities, everything, their villages all emptied out because of this great marauding army that was coming through. And they all sought refuge where? In Jerusalem. So he's telling them what's coming. In the future time, the Spirit will be poured out and the land will be productive. So again, he's projecting forward into the millennium. In the future, though, that's where your hope is. The Spirit's going to be poured out and the land, once again, will be productive. Justice and peace will mark the land. Justice and peace will mark the land. And you know what? That has not been true since even when this was written. That has not been true in, in Israel, even at this point. Doom. So let's talk about the destroyers now. So when we get to chapter 33, <clears throat> verses 1 through 24, he's going to talk about the destroyers. Okay, so these are the uh, ones who are, who are doing this, these bad things. So doom is pronounced on the destroyer and the traitor. Okay? The righteous remnant waits for the salvation of the Lord. So that's where hope is. Hope needs to be in the Lord, and what he's going to bring and come, okay? You know, here's the thing. I, as, as, I just need to make this point. As believers, you should be engaged in, as a citizen, doing what you need to do to help your community and your nation. That's by voting and whatever, blah, 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 okay? But I'm going to be honest with you. That's not your hope, right? I look at myself, how many times have I voted for a guy and he didn't turn out to be good at all? Do you, do you know what I'm saying? And, or did, what he promised never happened. And then I've watched others who, whose hope was there. They get so crushed. It just makes me laugh. It, it, it doesn't matter what party it is. If the other party gets elected, somebody gets on the news and says they're moving to Canada. Have you noticed that? It doesn't matter what party it is. They're just upset that their guy didn't get in. I got a secret for you. I've talked to the Canadians. They don't want us either. Okay? 
<laughs> they, they got their own issues with their own, you know. And, 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 and the reality is what happens, especially in a church, yes, you want to vote for the right people who might put in the right judges or whatever, but don't put your hope there. The righteous remnant, those who love the Lord, who are seeking the Lord, what are they waiting for? The salvation of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? The salvation of the Lord. Let's go on. The, the Lord will show himself mighty as the enemies are destroyed. So God is the one who's going to settle all things, who's going to make all things right. Okay? People are called to acknowledge the power and the might of the Lord. All right? So they're, they're called to, to trust in the Lord. They're called to rest in him for the reality. Here's the reality. The wicked cannot endure God's judgment, but the righteous can. All right, guys. So let's, let's kind of project ourselves forward sometime into the future. Jesus is going to come back. There's basically going to be two kinds of judgment. There's going to be a judgment of the righteous in which you and I will go. Now, do, when we are in that judgment, do we need to worry about going to heaven or hell? No, not at all. What is that judgment, George? It's not for you as far as whether you're going to heaven or hell. It's for you with regards to the reward that you will receive from him. You understand? And we will receive rewards for how we lived our lives here in service of him. So let me just stop for a moment. You're not going to get a merit badge that says Sunday school teacher. But he may reward you because of how you lived your life at the place you work at and the place you live at and the service that you did for him and being obedient to him in whatever area, sharing your faith, whatever. Do you understand? Because sometimes we think about, oh, I better get busy in the church. Well, we need your help in the church, but you're not going to get a reward for that, okay? Maybe, maybe not. But that's not the judgment, okay? But the wicked, they'll appear before the great white throne judgment. And it's the judgment that Paul describes as the day of terror. Because no one can stand before that judgment. You ever been in a courthouse? I've, I've been in a courthouse sometimes when I'm, I'm there for somebody who's facing something. And, and sometimes there are others who are there. They don't just do one person a day. They do a whole line of people who come in. And so if you're waiting for, to watch for some, one person that you were praying for or there for or their family or whatever, you, you watch all these different people come in, and some of them have a very meek attitude. They're humble. Then there are some that are pretty just right down arrogant. They don't care. And that's what's expressed every day in our courtrooms across our, our world, okay? That is not going to be expressed in the future. Because the wicked can't endure God's judgment. There are no excuses. Because he sees through everything. The books will be opened. 
and everything will be revealed. But you and I, we can endure it. Why? Because we put our trust and faith in who? Why? Because he paid the penalty for our sin, right? This is what is, is being brought out here. Let's go on. The prophet describes a fruitful land in which the righteous will dwell. So again, a promise for the future. A fruitful land where the righteous will dwell. The Messiah will be there and the people will see him. The Messiah will be there and the people will see him. Healing and forgiveness will mark that time. Man, I, there are days when I, I just want to be there because, okay, so I, I just said, I think I'm 56, I am, okay. There are things that happened in those 56 years and the scars and the pain of those times have you noticed that they're just as real? The hurts are just as real. The, the grieving for the loved ones we've lost is just as real. We, we've, kind of, we've kind of learned to adjust to it and live with it, but it's still there. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? I'm, it's still there. You know, like, you know, I, I love my dad. My dad died in 1986. He was murdered. There are still times when, when I go to sleep I feel like I'm there with my dad. And when I wake up, I'm sad. Do, do you know what I mean? But there's going to be a time when we go there with him and there'll be healing and forgiveness. And, and why do you think he says in Revelation, he'll wipe away every tear? For the former things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Did, did you understand what I'm saying? This is the Messiah. That, that's where our hope is. Do you know what I'm saying? That's where our hope is. Because I can tell you right now, nothing can eliminate that pain here. You, you know what I'm talking about? Have you tried it? Nothing can eliminate that pain here. But our hope is one day he will. So, got through the woes. Could talk about vengeance next week. And blessing. 